right you on the Arms Room Show with Glenn. And Drew. And Gabe. Thanks for all of the patronage from our patrons. We appreciate you guys uh, for keeping the show going, but also for keeping all the cool community service stuff going that we can do, like our Stop the Bleed programs, our various different security consulting things we do with churches and schools and all that jazz. Without you guys, we couldn't do that stuff to increase our community's readiness as well as your community's readiness. So thank you for doing that. If you're not a patron of the show, please consider becoming one. It's how we keep the show going. This isn't free for us to do. So if you think that there's any value of it to you, our best patron is only 10 bucks a month. You pay more than that for a lot of stupid shit. Uh, so at least I think it's worth paying for our stupid shit uh, <laughs> every month. All right, You get four episodes a month. All right. There you go. All right. What else we got here? Oh, Drew got to experience something very, very exciting today. Which is why we were late with our show. A little late with the show because Drew got to experience going to jury duty selection. Yay. Yeah. Yay. So it's been a lo- it's been a great fun day of texting back and forth with uh, my wonderful wife and and making fun of all the all the painful processes she had to go through. And uh, once upon a time, many, many moons ago when I was in college, I decided I was going to do whatever it took to get as far through the jury selection process as I possibly could because at the time I was doing uh, criminal justice and I wanted to see, you know, what was going on and what the jury process really looked like. And it just further disheartened me uh, with the whole freaking, you know, legal system. But, uh, yeah, Drew got to see that today. So that's, uh, that's a good time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a grand old, grand old time. Turns out the uh, the key to success is just saying uh, I'm the producer of the Arms Room Show, and that'll pretty much get you kicked out of jury. I'm just kidding. That wasn't that wasn't good. what got her deselected. Uh, but yeah, she didn't agree with some of the things that were happening in the case, and uh, that that's always what gets you booted if you don't want to be part of this freaking jury process just disagree with something that's going on in the case vehemently disagree with both sides and uh, it'll get you it'll get you kicked out pretty quickly so exactly what i did yep it's pretty easy to do so but it still unfortunately takes you know pretty much your damn damn near your whole day uh yeah i got there at 8 30 and then left at one, uh, about two yeah 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 so and I sat around and did literally nothing. So hooray for a civilized society or whatever they try to convince you that it's good for. Oh yeah, man, you should hear the video that they play to like get you all amped up <laughs> to be a part of the community and they thank you for your service over and over and over oh, again. Oh man. Thank you for your service, Drew. Thank you for your service, Drew. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, uh, on to a great news story. Verizon actually in a little bit of hot water right now because they actually fell for a fake search warrant and gave victims' phone data to a stalker. This is coming off of uh, ARSTechnica.com. Verizon was tricked by a fake cop and a fake search warrant despite obvious warning signs. Verizon Wireless gave a female victim's address and phone logs to an alleged stalker who pretended to be a police officer, according to an affidavit filed by an FBI special agent. Um, The man was later arrested near the victim's home and found to be carrying a knife at the time, which that could mean a lot of things, according to the affidavit submitted in court yesterday. He allegedly traveled from New York, I'm sorry, New Mexico to North Carolina after finding out where she lived and before arriving sent a threatening message that said, if I can't have you, no one can. He also allegedly threatened to send nude photos of the victim to her family members. So 
A couple of things here. First thing I want to point out right there is that is that last bit. This is something that we've talked about on the show before. If you are a young lady, or if you are a, uh, a father, especially of a young lady, or you have the ear of a young lady, caution them against. There's this huge thing that is wild to me. It's wild of just all these chicks who just post their their tits and ass all over the freaking internet. That's one thing. Like the OnlyFans thing is one thing. But for people who aren't doing that, but they're sending nudes to boyfriends, like in my opinion, you had better be in a real damn committed relationship, like, I don't know, a fucking marriage, before you start sending nudies back and forth to your lover because guess what happens if they fucking, if someone breaks up? They now have these pictures and they may be compromising. They may affect your job. They may affect, uh, you know, your next relationship, all kinds of stuff, your, your relationship with your family. Who knows? You don't want that kind of stuff just flying out in the world out there. And it's like people do so much stupid shit these days without thought of the consequences. And here's a perfect example. Here's a guy going, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to send these photos to anybody anywhere who obviously he could do it. I mean, there used to be this website I remember years and years ago when this kind of stuff started becoming like really popular there was like a it was like a website you could go to specifically anonymously post like the nudie pics you had received uh was you know from 4, 4chan or yeah whatever it was i don't Reddit. remember what it was but they had like a whole thing no, this, this was, was a specific website for even social that was before media those was guys yeah, yeah this was before those guys the website was like mybex.com or some some shit like that i remember hearing about it and being like dude that's fucking crazy. Like, why would you put yourself in that position? They have a documentary about that guy that's been released on Netflix right now, and I watched it. Because this is the era of, like, the early 2000s. Yeah, like, the so internet was, was before, really starting to become a thing. Uh, I think it was, what's that old MySpace was, like, a brand new up-and-coming thing when this guy rolled oh, out Tom. this website. R.I.P. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the guy's name is, but... So uh, Privacy Mike sent us in this article and had some tips about it. Uh, the only way you can prevent a company from screwing you over is if you structure it so they cannot screw you over. Because if they can, they will. Prevent this problem by using prepaid accounts in maybe a fake name. You could get more extreme like paying only in cash and keeping the phone in, let's say, a Faraday bag. But just, just by not giving the phone company your real name, a stalker who gets them to search their records for your name will still come up empty. The main caveat is you can't use credit, you can't sign a contract, you have to pay for the phone in full up front. But the advantage of doing those kinds of things is now if you have someone who might be trying to find you for any variety of reasons, they can't use your cell phone records to do so. So that, it's not a bad idea to consider that people can find you this way and that these companies are obviously fucking stupid and they're run by, let's not forget, human beings who don't ultimately give too much of a fuck about their jobs or customer service or anything like that. So, yeah, they're going to fall victim to shit like this. And it's not the first or last time something like this has happened. Yeah, one other thing you can do, and obviously these people were posing as, you know, law enforcement officers, so it's a little bit different, but the concept is still the same. You can have it notated on your account that there's a in-person two-factor ID that needs to take place in order for anything to change on your account or any information to be released. So it could say, um, as soon as they pull you up, you know, if someone, this is called like uh, swim, SIM swapping, where if I know that you have something on your phone that I want access to, whether it's a mobile wallet or information or something like that, I can go in and say, hey, my name's Glenn Stilson. I lost my phone mm -hmm. and I need a new one and they'll let me into the account. And now I have your phone as you have it in your hands right now. 
but I have access to everything on it. Mm -hmm. So one thing you can do is say, I you know, want a either birth certificate to be shown plus a driver's license or plus a passport. It's mm -hmm. two physical documents that have to be shown for them to access your account at all. One of the things I've utilized over the years too is, uh, and they typically don't ask for what the thing is, is I just tell them I have a sensitive identification. I have a sensitive ID. Um, I used to do this, especially back when, when I was still doing work that required me to be a little more careful. And, uh, so I would just say, yeah, I, I have a sensitive ID and I need a multi, like a multi-level authentication yeah. on any of my stuff. Yeah. And that way they have to have passwords. Like e even now I'll request that we have passwords on most of our stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just a verbal password that you have to give, which, you know, no one can typically guess, but, um, that's another level. And most companies are willing to add extra security to your accounts. You just have to ask for it. And so any, like even, even honestly, during my divorce, um, I did that on yeah. several of my accounts that, that my crazy ex may have possibly tried to weasel access to. I just told him, Hey, just so you know, uh, I, you know, I have a sensitive ID and, um, and I need you to have extra authentication and then they'll be like, okay, what do you want? Like, here's our options. You know, yeah. you can only do stuff in store and you have to have like multiple forms of ID or you have to have a verbal password. Almost any of them will add extra layers of security. Yeah, you just have to ask for it. It's no heartache for them. If anything, it's clearing up a lot of liability for them mm -hmm. for stuff like this that can. They typically just don't do it because it's a pain in the ass for people. Yeah. And then people complain. Oh, here's one that always frustrates the shit out of us. Um, a lot is another kid drown. Arizona toddler crawls through a doggy door before drowning in the backyard pool. A young boy died after he fell into a pool in Arizona home uh, Monday afternoon. This is last Monday uh, over in Gilbert, which is a, a town not far from us. One and a half year old child exits the house in the backyard through a doggy door before falling into the unfenced pool. Parents like this should be charged with fucking murder. I feel like we talk Th about this, this is, so much. This is manslaughter at the very least, and it's damn near second-degree murder. Let me let me get this straight, you fucking simple-minded cunts. You fucking have a kid, which first of all is obviously a fucking tragedy in the first place, that these fucktards can have a baby is already a fucking tragedy. The second part of the actual tragedy is that this baby is dead because its fucking idiot caregivers are fucking idiots. One, unfenced pool. Fucking idiots. Two, doggy door, unsecured. Fucking idiots. Three, a baby that they obviously haven't done any kind of drown proofing with. Fucking idiots. At some point in time, this is not going to shock anybody, but this might shock some people, I guess, if they've never heard me talk before. It's almost a blessing in disguise. Like, do we want fucking idiots continuing to raise children? And I'm sure this is a tragedy and the family's very sad. Everyone's very sad. Everyone's always very sad when they do something that negatively affects the life of somebody else. In this case, literally cost a child their life. And, and of course, I mean, let's just, I don't know. Let's just ask the obvious. What the fuck is a one and a half year old doing crawling around the house all un unsupervised, unattended, so long that it can crawl out the fucking do doggy door across some length of the backyard and into a fucking unfenced pool? Yeah, kids don't move that fast. They move fast sometimes, but they don't move that fast. Like, that definitely would have taken, you know, this kid a little bit of time to go through all of that. According to the CDC, uh, children ages 1 to 4, more children ages 1 to 4 die from drowning than any other cause of death. For children ages 5 to 14, drowning is the second leading cause of unintentional death after motor vehicle crashes for children 5 to 14. Children are drowning. 
dude, if your kids are around water, even if they're not around water, teach your kids how to swim. Take them down to the, the fucking toddler place that teaches people how to swim and teach them how to swim. Take them down they, to the YMCA. They do a couple lessons for free, so it's not... I mean, they do most of the baby lessons for free. Like, top, uh, infants, they do the uh, survival swimming for free. So, and then even if they're toddlers, they give the first, like, two or three lessons away for free. Almost any swimming school will do that. Okay, I think these people ought to be hung from their genitals. But the, the Gilbert Fire and Rescue has a little bit more of a professional outline. I'm going to outline this for all the fucking idiots out there who don't already fucking know this most simple fucking information. Ready? Gilbert Fire and Rescue encourages pool owners and parents to not be fucking stupid. Okay, that's not actually what it says. It says, <laughs> follow the ABCDs of drowning prevention. They had to make it simple for you. Fucking morons. They put it in ABCD. That way all the fucking idiots out there don't fuck this up anymore. Adult supervision. At least one sober, undistracted adult should always be with children in and around the water. The child, sh- I'm sorry, the adult should be fully focused on the child or children. Obviously. Barriers. That's the B. Barriers should be in place to prevent a child from accessing the pool. Barriers can include a fence with a self-closing, self-latching gate, door locks that children are unable to reach, and door alarms. Dog doors should not have direct access to the pool and should be closed to prevent children from reaching the pool. Obviously. C. Classes. Children should be enrolled in swimming lessons and taught how to get out of a pool. Adults should take CPR and life-saving classes. Obviously. D is devices. Coast Guard approved devices such as life vests are encouraged for those who cannot swim. I've ranted as much as I feel like I need to on this topic. It's fucking I, I just... It's just fucking retarded. It's so shitty that the kid dies because the parents are being lazy. And that, that's the, always the case, you know? I, I'm sorry. I, never, I have so many kids. I never had one of them at 18 months old, year and a half crawl away from me for so long that I'm like, hey, where the fuck's that little, where the fuck that kid go? It's not a dog, man. Like, there are times in my life I'm like, where the fuck's my dog? You know what I mean? Like, it's upstairs, downstairs, whatever. A year and a half old kid, I'm never like, where'd that little rascal get off to? Like, there's never a time I don't know where my kid is. I'm sorry, it's just fucking irresponsible. Ugh. Whatever. Last news story I'm going to do for the day. Um is it kind of interesting to a topic I was, uh, a conversation I was having with my oldest son last week. And uh, it's man dies after having three charged lemonades from Panera. So the lemonade from Panera, charged lemonade, has 390 milligrams of caffeine. To compare that, the average cup of coffee is about 80 milligrams of caffeine. So this has about five fucking cups of coffee in it. All right? Roughly. Panera, in their, as I mentioned before, no one really gives a fuck about you or cares about customer service, refills this guy's cup three fucking times. All right? With this insane lemonade. So here's here's a, a point on this news article that I, I kind of want everybody to understand. Today, we're going to talk about optics. We're going to talk about expensive optic, budget-based optics, optics for different types of guns. And we're also going to talk about uh, you know, different terminology and like understanding concepts. If you think that that's important, you're right. Guess what else is important? Knowing what the fuck you're putting in your body. Now, I'm not blaming the Panera people for this. I'm saying at some point in time, like a good bartender, you got to go, hey, you know what, man? I think you've had enough. You know, like if you want to go get some more of this, you need to fucking go elsewhere. I'm not going to give you any more here. I'm not going to be responsible for what happens to you next, right? That That's just good customer service. 
the other side of this is, of course, as the consumer, it's like know what's going to happen when you put 1,200 milligrams That's of fucking so caffeine in your body. You know, so I was having this discussion with my oldest son last week uh, where we uh, show up to play softball and he's like drinking this Red Bull. And he's like, hey, do you want the rest of this Red Bull? I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm good right now. And he's like, yeah, this is like my third one of the day. And I go, shut the fuck up. Are you? No, 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 no. That's way too much. I know, I know what I'm doing. And I go, no, actually, you fucking don't. That th- what you just said and then what you just said after that actually proved to me that you don't fucking know what you're talking about. So, no, that's way too much. And so, again, like anyone here can can probably quote the type of ammunition they have in their gun and their EDC. And we can sit here and we can talk about different calibers for different applications. And we can talk about nerd shit and medicine. And we can go all this. Do you know what you're putting in your body? Have you, when was the last time you picked something up from the store, read the ingredients, actually read the ingredients and said, I don't want this and put it down. I can tell you for me, it was literally today. I picked something up. I read the ingredients. I said, no fucking thanks on that. And I put it back on the shelf. Like I I'm, I'm big into that and I haven't always been, but it took me some time to come around to that. I'm telling you right now, it's incredibly important. You're going to feel better and you're not going to fucking die like this moron after drinking 1,200 milligrams. And and chances are, he didn't know I had that much fucking caffeine in it. He's like, oh yeah, it's fucking lemonade so good, makes me feel good, and he's having a down day or whatever, and he jumps in there and he drinks three of these motherfuckers, and now he's dead. He probably never looked and said, 390 milligrams of caffeine. How much even is that? Like, who, who drinks coffee and knows what the average cup of coffee has in it and caffeine? Not many people. You know, so you look at that and go, wow, I should probably fucking look at this. Yeah, that's a lot of caffeine. I mean, your standard energy drink has like 200 mm-hmm. milligrams. It says double that, man. Double. That's a lot. And, and I, you know, I do drink and take a lot of caffeine to my own fault. But, sure. you know, I'm not going to – that would have to be – how many did you say 1,200? That's like six energy drinks or seven energy drinks. Which is common for people to do regularly. Yeah. Yeah. I cap out at two. And it's not like one after another. It's, you know, they're spread apart. It I mean, still isn't good, but at least my body has a little bit of time to filter before. And I'm just saying, I'm, yeah, I mean, I've lived you the know, life of uppers and downers. I've lived the life of drinking too much caffeine and then, you know, having to freaking take shit to put me to sleep or having a hard time going to sleep or not fucking sleeping or getting yeah. sick off of energy drinks or having a fucking shakes or, you know. Throwing up your a little stomach you burn, too much fucking caffeine, yeah. and like eating tums to try to keep the burn down. It's like I've lived that life. I'm telling you, it's fucking awful. Yeah. And if you're living that life to keep yourself up, you need to look instead at what's keeping you needing that much fucking caffeine in your life. Yeah. Incredibly fucking bad for you. Know what you're putting in your body and how it's going to affect you. Water helps you get energy just as fast as energy drinks do if you have enough sleep and good diet. And you have good diet. If you're naturally getting the things you need from your diet, you don't have to hammer so much caffeine. Oh, man. All right. Independence training gear moment. Knock off med products. (laughs) Throw them in the fucking trash. This has been a topic that keeps coming up, and we keep seeing. So, like, we were teaching a med class uh, Saturday. Gabe and I and Daryl were at this med class. We're teaching. Everything's going great. This guy comes up to me mid class. He's like, "Hey, are these the tourniquets you're talking about?" And he pulls up Amazon. I'm like, "Oh fuck!" But they were actually authentic um, cats. They were real cats, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, those ones are real." Mostly, I knew because of the seller. I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, that seller's good to go. Like, that's fine." 
And then I go, but hey, back out and show me your search. He's like, dude, it's like the 12th fucking entry. So I'm like, yeah, garbage, 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 garbage. Like knock off, knock off. You know, don't get those. Don't get those. Get these authentic ones right here. And so my point being, sometimes I hear it and I heard it in class on Saturday. And that's what jogged my mind here. They're like, well, can't we just buy the cheap ones and then use those for training? No, I used to advocate that a long time ago. Like, yeah, I get the cheap ones used for training, whatever. Now I don't. Here's why. Because you're continuing to support that industry. Right. Don't support that shitty industry. And you're not learning, like the knockoffs aren't good enough that they function exactly like the real ones. So you, you may be missing some steps or you may be missing some vital components or it may not look the same or whatever. So like, in my opinion, do not use the shitty knockoff med products. Stop getting them. And stop supporting companies that promote that shit. There's training companies out there who promote that shit. Fucking stop supporting those people. They don't care about quality. I mean, even I, I was at a store the other day that sells, you know, surplus. It's a surplus store in Arizona. And they had right at the checkout, like, two bins of $34.99 cat tourniquets and mm-hmm. then replicas right next to them for $15.99. But they didn't say that. It just said tourniquets, yeah. one sign for both bins. Broad. So obviously... You know, some people might just go, oh, well, these are $15.99. These are $34.99. They aren't marked any differently. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to grab these ones. That's deceptive, man. No fucking distinguishing, like, replica tourniquet and yeah. real tourniquet. And I was like, come on, you fucking pieces of shit. Well, here's the reality, you know? man. Probably half the people who work there, if any of the people who Don't work there. Don't know the there, fucking difference Even know the either. fucking difference. Because yeah. they work at a surplus store. doesn't mean they're experts on med gear or military gear or fucking anything. Same and, people you know, who work at gun stores. That you know? could be the thing to their own lack of knowledge. That's why they just threw them in there and said tourniquets. But they distinguish the price. Yeah. So they have to have known yeah. that something was different here. Well, again, if someone is, is selling that going, I don't really know the difference. Then why the fuck am I buying stuff from you? Like, right. in this industry, you have to be a discerning buyer. Yeah. You must be a discerning buyer. Well, I only went in there for a, extra Wooly blankets, so they can't <laughs> fuck that up. So yeah, I wasn't worried about it. What a f- I'm sure they're out there. Probably. All right. Our topic for this week, selecting optics for your firearms. This is going to be pistols through long guns. So we're going to kind of talk about everything here. The first thing that uh, we want to mention, we're going to kind of go down this list here. Um, the first thing we want to mention is... Context is everything for optics. Everybody asks us, man, what what scope should I get for this rifle? I'm like, I don't know. How are you going to use this rifle? What's your expected targets? Small, big, animals, people, targets, what are you shooting? You know, what's your expected engagement distance? Are you expecting low light engagements? Are you going to need observation or positive identification needs? Like, what are you going to need for this setup? You know, people go, what red dot's best? I don't know. <laughs> what are you trying to do? How are you? Tr- what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. You know, so context is everything. So before you even try to select an optic, what are you trying to accomplish with that optic? You want close quarters optic? You want a distance optic? You want positive target identification, small targets, big targets, hunting, low light? You know, you're trying to do the one size fits all thing. Like, you know, what are you trying to do? Context is everything. The second thing, and some of these things we're going to kind of do briefly. Now, we've done more lengthy episodes in the past on this, and so we're just going to kind of do an overview here. Minute of angle, MOA, versus milliradian or mils or MRAD, all right? Basic different uses of measurement. They're both based on angular units of measurement. That's it, angular units of measurement. MOA, essentially, is one inch per 
100 yards. I know it's 1.047 for you fucking nerds out there. It's <laughs> one inch per, per 100 yards. All right, we're going to keep this one simple. MOA. Easier for making measurements for the majority of people because it's in inches. Oh, you're so many inches off. It's one inch per 100 yards. That, you know, if I'm five inches off at 500 yards, I'm one minute of angle, right? All right? So it's relatively easy to do that calculation. Downside the minute of angle. Once you start using your turrets to adjust for things, shit stops making sense because it's all in quarters. I mean, it makes sense, but now you got to figure out how many clicks is that. Well, it's four clicks per minute of angle, and off we go, right? Yeah. So now i got to do a little bit more math. Not that big of a deal. For most people, it doesn't matter. I would say if you're your average shooter, you're not going to shoot competition, you're just regular old hunter, shooter, whatever, minute of angle is fine for you. Mills. Very heavily used because it's in the metric system, standardized system, heavily used by the military. A lot of people come out of the military world, use mills. Mills very heavily used in the competition rifle circuit. So if you want to go into competition rifle shooting, I highly recommend using mills because everyone else is going to be using mills. Mills, milliradian, MRAD. Based on a circle, 360 degrees. Easy to remember a mill because it's based on 360 degrees, 360 Milla radian, move the decimal point over two, and it's 3.6 inches per 100 yards. Again, we're talking in yards here, not meters, all right? So all you math nerds, chill out, talking yards. <laughs> 3.6 inches per 100 yards, all right? Again, easy to remember because it's based on 360. It's in tenths, so that means every click of the turret is going to be 0.1 or a tenth of that, so it's going to be 0.36. Move the decimal point over again. 0.36, 3.6, 360, keep that in mind, right? 36 inches for 1,000 yards. So think of it from that perspective to remember the 3.6 thing. Mill radians, intense, a little bit easier to do my, my adjustments on if I'm trying to do them in a hurry. Someone goes, hey, man, you need to come up 1.5 mils, that's 15 clicks because it's intense. Hey, do you come up 0.6 mils, that's six clicks, you know? So if I'm doing adjustments on a turret, a little bit easier to count my clicks if I can't look up, can't see up, whatever it may be. So other than that, I don't really give a fuck. I'll tell you guys, I have optics in both. If you need to convert back and forth between the two, I'm a minute of angle shooter talking to a milliradian shooter. No big deal. Minutes to mils is division. Mils to minutes is multiplication. It's easy to remember. I remember it as MOA. Is like mower, all right? Emma, M O A, MOA, mower, all right? It takes more of minutes to equal mills because minutes are in quarters and mills are in tenths, all right? So if I need to go mills to minutes, MOA is gonna be more, so it's multiplication. Mills times a number is my minutes. If I'm going minutes, MOA, more, to mills, going more to less, it's division. Minutes, divided by a number is my mills reading. This is the number, 3.438. 3.438 is the exact number. I always use the exact number because it's beaten in my fucking skull. 3.438, boom, easy. That being said, 3.4 or 3.44 is what a lot of people use. 3.5 is something, that's fine too. You're, you're getting in the ballpark here. Are you looking for precision or are you looking for long range? If you're shooting your carbine, 3.5 is fine. You're not that fucking precise. 3.5 is more than sufficient, all right? But 3.438 is the actual number. 3.5 is just fine for most people trying to do it fucking fast. So that's your number that you're either dividing or um, multiplying by. 
Which one do you choose? Well, most of your red dots are going to be in minutes of angle. Most of your optics that you're going to see out there are easily available in mils or minutes. But most of your red dots are in minutes. There are a couple of red dots that are in mils. The majority of them are going to be in minutes. However, when you're looking at red dots, look always for the adjustment value or the quote-unquote click value because rifle optics are often in quarters for minutes, tenths for mils. However, if you're talking about carbine optics, 5.56 stuff that they know that's what you want to use it for, a lot of times they'll go half minutes and 0.2 mils. So as an example, the Vortex Razor 1-6, Vortex Viper 1-6 are 0.2 mils instead of 0.1. You're making 0.72-inch adjustments at 100 yards because they know you're shooting a 5.56. They're guessing you're going to put this thing on a carbine and not some kind of precision rifle. So your red dots are usually going to be half minute. So instead of quarter, they're going to be half. Some red dots, especially red dots for pistols, are full minutes. So every time you do one click, it's a full minute adjustment. That means one inch per 100 yards. Now, here's where people fuck up their zeros all the time. I'm just going to throw this out there real quick. Is as soon as they go from 100 and closer, for some reason, this math blows people's fucking minds out. If it's, if it's a quarter at 100, that means it's an eighth of an inch adjustment at 50. Half the distance, half the adjustment. If it's an eighth of an adjustment or eighth of an inch at 50, it means it's a sixteenth of an inch at 25. So if you only have a 25-yard range to check your zero on and you're like you're turning, you know, four clicks, what the fuck? Why isn't it? It's because you're only turning a quarter of an inch a time. It's a sixteenth of an inch adjustment if you're dealing with a minute of angle optic. Right? It's the same thing with mills, right? If it's 0.1 of a mill. At 100, that means it's 0 0.05 of a mil, 0.18 of an inch at 50, all right? Which means it's then half that again if you're at 25. It's 0 0.09 of an inch at 25 yards. If you aren't, pay if you're looking at uh, something that's intense, if you're not paying attention to what your adjustments are, you're going to fucking chase a zero. So real quick on zeros, right? When you finally find this optic, if you can't zero in 10 rounds or less, something's fucked up. Something's loose, something's broken, you're doing the math wrong, something's fucked Floating. up. Floating. Yeah, some, something's fucking wrong. Yeah. Usually it's the optic is loose. Sometimes the optic, yeah, oftentimes we find the optic is loose or it's not mounted properly or something's fucking wrong with it, right? That's usually what we find out. So if you can't zero or they're not, it's either that or they're not doing the math properly. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure that you guys check that. All right, so if you're struggling with a zero, 10 rounds or less, you should easily be able to check your zero. That's four rounds for the first group. Cold bore plus three, adjust three, correct and adjust if needed, finalize and verify with three. So that's as deep as I'm going to go into those weeds or we could spend all day doing that. So the next thing you want to talk about is uh, red dots versus fixed versus variable. Break this down simply. By red dot, I mean a dot of any kind. It could be a holographic sight. It could be a red dot. It could be a dot in a circle. It could be a dot in a dash in a circle with a triangle. It could be a green dot. It could be two red dots. It could be whatever the fuck. Okay? By red dot, I mean a simple one power optic. A fixed optic. A prism. An ACOG. Something like that. This is a fixed power optic. It is three power. It is four power. It is six power. It is an optic that is fixed power. You cannot change the, op the uh, magnification. Rarely do I prefer this. Very rarely do I prefer a fixed optic. ACOGs, I know everyone goes goo goo gaga over them. Unless you're building some kind of clone gun or you just got a hard-on for 
cool military shit. Yeah, the ACOG is a it's a thing of bygone past, my friends. And I some people go, no way, bro. I love my ACOG. Okay, I'm not arguing with you. Fucking keep your ACOG. Enjoy it. I don't give a shit. But I don't fucking care about them because they're not. They don't fit. They used to, to solve a problem that existed. They no longer solve that problem. Yeah, because when the ACOG was introduced, everyone was still running iron sights. And reds. So it was like, yeah, or like the singular yep, dot. They were shooting the one, point. One, one, one power dot or a fucking iron. Irons. And so when the, when the Trigicon ACOG came out, they were like, it was like fucking mind-blowing shit. And then they stayed around for 20 years as the rest of the world advanced into different things, magnifiers and, you know, LPVOs and stuff like that. But they never changed it up until literally like probably two years ago. And ultimately, it's still the same fucking optic. The VCOG? Not the VCOG, the ACOG. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah that one. Then the, they came along with the VCOG and the AccuPoint rifle scopes and all that kind of stuff, which are cool. Yeah, that's what I was meaning. They yeah. cha- <laughs> they did change it, to be fair. They changed the, the reticle from the Chevron mm-hmm. to the horseshoe, mm-hmm. which was a nice whatever. And then they came out with the SDO, which was less magnification. It was about 2, 2.5, 2.5 mm-hmm. versus the old fixed 4s mm-hmm. or 3.5s. But now they're using the Trigicon VCOG which is honestly a really great optic. And guess what? It's an LPVO. It's basically an LPVO, yeah. Yeah. And so the idea is, was, we could fill it, because this was a military optic, the ACOG, Advanced Combat Optical Gun Sight, right? <laughs> it is the, in the fucking name, it was made for the military. And it was designed for a very specific rifle shooting very specific ammunition. And that's why the BDC, or bullet drop compensating reticle, inside is very specifically built for the holds on that exact rifle shooting that exact yep. ammunition. Not that you can't figure out what it means for you, but it's probably not going to mean the same. And so it fit the gap between guys shooting irons and red dots and then like the, at the time, popular, you know, fixed 10 power scopes that were being used very heavily um, in the military or, you know, the old like uh, uh, four to uh, uh, 315s and stuff like that. So they were kind of getting rid of that or not rid of that, but they were putting a, a thing in the middle. So it's like, okay, I want to, I want more magnification for good PID and, you know, good engagements. I want to be able to shoot like a true rifleman. Okay, cool. Here's an optic that's built exactly for your gun and ammo. And you can see stuff better now. Yeah, it's great. And it's, and it's battery-free. So that when you're a fucking retarded and forget to change your battery, it's no big deal because this one's battery-free. Oh, yeah, and it's crazy durable. Like, you can blow it up and it's still fucking good to go. Yeah, it kind of checks all the boxes for that time. They like, made sick. it for that environment. And they also priced it for that environment. They priced it for military applications. So now they're still... Twelve hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, super expensive for what for what you get. I mean, God, I hear so many people just sucking the dick of the ACOG, and I'm like, yeah, I hated every second I had to use it (laughs) because I couldn't do shit close, and I couldn't really do things far away that well either. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just did not like them. I'm not saying they're bad. Don't everyone who loves Trigicon get you know (laughs) butt hurt about it? But the future is now. Well, they had, you know, they, they were mounting the dock ops on top, on top of it, little dock optics, little red dot reflex sights on top. So you yeah. could transition to close range engagements, but then your fucking height over bore was like six inches, you know, so that was crazy. And then there's the BAC, the bend and aiming concept. So you can close the front cover of an ACOG if you have the ARD mounted on it. You can close the freaking front cover, both eyes open, the Chevron or donut or a horseshoe gets superimposed in your eyesight. Basically looks pretty cool, actually. Looks like a floating freaking reticle. Works for everybody but anybody because 
because I never met anybody I'd actually fucking worked for. It's totally fucked for me because I have a, a very dominant eye. And so when I look at it, I'm actually looking at it and it's pointing to the left, like mm-hmm. by a fucking lot. Yeah. And so I'm off, you know, so I could shoot someone in the chest at, you know, close quarter distance, but I'm going to be in the left side of his chest for sure, like by a lot. Right. You know, and most people that I met, that didn't work that great for. So that's why they started mounting the dock ops on top of it. But then you ran into the problem of hide over bore and all kinds of others. Well, that, and I noticed that every single, because they were Trijicon RMRs, the ones that we were top mounting, mm-hmm. they're good RMRs, but my God, did they get destroyed. Oh, dude, they're really I mean, shit. they got yeah. destroyed. Yeah. And you couldn't even see through them, and no one ever used them. It's like, okay, this is just extra weight at this point on my rifle. Now, variable optic, probably, like, my go-to. Now, I'm going to include a magnifier on your red dot between fixed and variable. I don't really consider it either. The magnifier itself is a fixed optic. Right, because it's just three or whatever. But it's, yeah, it's just three. It's just four. It's just six. I haven't seen any of them above, above six yet, but I've seen three, four, and six. So it's like it's just going to be that power. But because I can bounce back and forth between magnified and unmagnified very easily, depending on the mount, it can be really easy. I kind of consider that a mix between fixed and variable. Like I can have no magnification or or a fixed magnification, but it's not only the fixed magnification. So I kind of consider it like an outlier. Now, that being said, I used to hate magnifiers on red dots. I didn't like them from a like conventional application because it was like, dude, if everyone's shooting in that direction, I don't need a fucking magnifier. Someone else has already got PID. We're already engaging that. I'm fine to engage in that area, right? Who fucking cares, right? Switch back to the Uno solo operator guy, right? Me and Drew and the kids fucking, you know, Lone Ranger and across the wilderness. I like a magnifier now. Pretty much any primary gun I have that I have a red dot on, I I run a magnifier on for PID. Right. And what else I like about it, uh, positive identification. The other thing I like about it is I throw a QD on there. I can I can take that thing off. If I'm going to go close quarters, fuck it, I don't need the magnifier. Take it off and throw it in a dump pouch or whatever. And I can pull it off and use it as a standalone monocular. Right. So built and kind of mounted onto my gun, I always have this built-in monocular that I can do target observation or animal observation or, hey, kids, look at that kind of observation. I can just pull the thing off of it, hand it to someone, and they can look. Maybe they're spotting my hits with it. Hey, man, spot my fucking hits with this thing. Yeah. You know, Most of the time when I'm using a magnifier with my red dot, I do not use it to shoot with. I use it to get PID, and then I flip it out of the way, and I engage standard red dot. Yeah. Unless I absolutely have to have it to see my target, which might be necessary depending on the distance, but most of the time not. But it's great for positive identification. Same thing I would say with variables. That's one of the biggest benefits of a variable. And that's why I think most people ought to consider if you don't have a shorter rifle, 16, you know, 14, 12 even, with a, a LPVO on it, you should add one. If you if you're want to know, in my opinion, if you want to know what the end of the world fucking optic is, what am I going to put on my rifle? It's an LPVO. Yeah. It, it checks all the boxes that I needed to check. The advantages are just so great with it. Um, and they're everywhere too. Like everyone makes one, so you can just pick which brand that you have your hard on for and get one from that brand. But I mean, for target observation, PID, like you were talking about, we tested it out the other night when we were at the range yeah. doing low light stuff. Yeah. Or at that time it was no light. Yeah, no light. Dark People shit. using their weapon lights to identify targets downrange at 100 only the guys with LPVOs were saying that they would pull the trigger. And they were so at, consider that. still with all the crazy bright lights, all the mod lights, all the surefires, all the streamlight, all the fucking uh, cloud defensive lights, all the everything on the line, um, looking down at targets. It wasn't until even with 
a six power optic, actually eight power was the highest we had that night. Mm-hmm. Even with an eight power optic, people were still at 65, 70 yards before they were making that shot call right. on a human target downrange. Yep. I'm not talking about a torso piece of paper. We put a, in a very controlled, safe environment, we know what we're doing. We put a fucking human being downrange. Every, every time they've got things in their hands, they move around, they change orientation of what's in their hands. When the lights go off and lights come back on, they've changed their circumstance and their situation. They move around. Um, and people have to make, make the call, you know, what I make that shot or not, just based on what I can see. Obviously, behavior has to be taken into accountability, kind of a, a absentee in that particular situation. But at 75 yards, 65 yards most of the time, that's when they start to make that call. By 50 yards, people with good magnification, I would say four or more, are making good judgment calls. Right. Red dots, literally, it's like fucking 15 yards every time. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, too, all it took was, especially because it's at night, all it took was like a little bit manipulation of my body positioning mm-hmm. and where my hands were at. And all of a sudden, it was like, I have no clue what he has in mm-hmm. his hands, even getting a little bit closer in. So. so I'm a huge fan of variable optics. Now, with variable optics, there's two things that I would always recommend. Well, actually, three things that I think you should always have. One, always have adjustable turrets. And I don't mean adjustable just for zero, but something I can spin the caps off of or I have exposed locking caps so that I can adjust manually if I want to make that long-range shot or if I need to adjust my zero quickly. The other thing I think you ought to always have is uh, what we used to call a cattail. Now they call a switch view or I don't know. There's a couple different names for it. But basically some kind of knob. And some manufacturers have been building this into their optics now. But it's a knob on the power ring so I can switch back and forth quickly, which is going to be needed for a carbine. And the other thing I think you should have for a carbine based on the types of engagements you might be making is some type of illuminated reticle. I love just a single red dot in the center. Like I love the Vortex Razors and the Viper Gen 2s because they just put a single red dot in the center of the optic. That's all I really want. I just want a point of aim. I don't need the whole optic to be, I don't need all the uh, the holdovers and holdoffs to be on there. I Sometimes want that on a rifle optic. it's too much. Yeah. yeah. And I want that on a rifle optic. Yeah. Because I need to, I'm probably holding over, holding for wind. But for a carbine, I just want a single point of aim. And sometimes it's too much to the point where it covers your target and then you can't even see the whole entire target. Yeah, so you want to be careful, you know, and so that kind of takes me to the next uh, point, which is what size of dot, like, and, mm-hmm. and the overall reticle. So we kind of break this into two things, what type of dot and what type of reticle. Let's start with dots first. What size? Most reticles are going to be one to two minute of angle in a scope or an optic of some kind with magnification. Uh, if it's got a center dot or a target dot or something like that. And most red dots are going to be two minutes of angle. You will find some with larger dots, you know, six minutes of angle, things like that. What size dot on a red dot? I recommend one to two minutes of angle. Bless you. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously advantages and disadvantages to different sizes of dots, but I feel like a lot of it is also personal preference too. Yeah. You know what I mean? For some people, a 6 MOA dot, I'm kind of shifting gears onto a handgun now, yeah. but like a 6 MOA dot and a handgun might just be way too much for someone's eyes. It might bleed out too much. But then a 2 MOA or a 3 might just be so small where they just can't pick it up effectively. So I think you kind of got to find what works for your eyes and what works for the application of whatever you're putting it on. So people who have stigmatisms, the red dot typically blooms and people have a different way that it kind of, like mine has a a crescent moon almost look to it when I look through it. So I have to have very particular small ones. So I, on my current pistol, I have a two MOA 
And even then, sometimes it's a little too big for me. But, I mean, it's it's all about how people see it. A lot of people don't even know they have stigmatisms. And they just think that that's natural for red dot to look like that. <laughs> Shitty. Now, what was the solution you found? Because you found a very particular solution. I did. So, I was told by a different student who has a stigmatism that green dots are better than the red dots, which is, in fact, very true. I can pick up a green dot way better than I can a red dot. And I don't get that almost crescent moon in my uh, red dot. And it's nice and crisp. Yes, very nice and crisp, and it stays together. And it's funny because once I... Once he told me and shared that information with me, the same thing happens with street lights. Street lights, the, the red lights, crescent moon to a certain extent, right? And the green lights actually don't. <laughs> so I started noticing it is it has something to do with people who have stigmatism and red light in general seems to get all wonky. And so that was something, you know, on Drew's pistols and rifles, we've been slowly um, working all of the uh, dots and everything over to green dots as opposed to red, which Mm -hmm. has been incredibly helpful for her just to pick them up. So if you have astigmatism, that's something to consider. Now, Gabe reminded me, hey, we were talking about handguns too, you know. So on handgun optics, I like a big dot. Like on all my handguns, I run six MOA dots. I do as well. I want a fucking massive red dot because more than likely I'm running this thing inside of 100 more than realistically, I'm running inside of 500, and the highest. Pr- I'm sorry, 50, not 500. And 50. I was like, five. That's how good of a fucking pistol shooter I'm, yet. You okay. don't know yet. <laughs> My right, bad. So, uh, I'm running inside of 50, and the highest probability is I'm running inside of fucking 10. Yeah. You know, so I like a, a fat freaking six MOA dot. My eyes pick it up faster, especially when I'm extended out. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm shooting during recoil under night vision and all that, I don't find it too blurry or too large. Um, it's really easy to pick up under my nod. So I really like that six MOA dot on my handgun. Now, obviously there's no magnification yet <laughs> that we're putting on on handguns. There's always been like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. There are some fixed power and even variable power magnified optics for things like Thompson contenders and big giant fucking revolvers yeah, that people are say. hunting deer with and shit like that. So yes, people have been putting scopes on uh, on on handguns for a long fucking time, long before everybody who thinks they invented an, uh, a red dot on a pistol actually didn't. But my point being is, if you're going to put an optic on a handgun, which I think is the future, a hundred percent. I mean, think I mean, about I would even say it's the future. It's now for a self defense gun, especially like your daily carry gun. Why? Wouldn't you have one on there? Yeah, it's another point of maintenance, but guess what? You have a lot of point of maintenance just by having a gun. So what's one more? Mm. You know, oh, you got to swap the batteries and make sure your, you know, lenses are clean, whatever. You should be doing that stuff anyway. But with that, I have a a 6 MOA on my carry gun too. And it's like, I just put this dot on meat in a good spot and pull the trigger. Mm. Because like you said, we're probably going to be within 7 to 10 meters or yards. And that's a long one. And yeah, that's long. We're probably I, I like I, I like the number five or yeah. three a three lot five. more. Three is, five is a lot more realistic. more realistic. Yeah. But you know, I think on a carry gun, it is super super advantageous. Now I I will say on my personal carry gun, I do not run a red dot. I run a red dot on my, you know, what I jokingly call my go to war gun. <laughs> I run a, a red dot on my competition handgun, and on several of my handguns, I just run a red dot because it's fucking cool and it's fun to shoot. It gives you an advantage. However, it also requires extra maintenance. Now, you kind of 
briefed over it, but I want to be a little bit more particular about it. You got to make sure it stays tight because it's attached. This isn't like a red dot on a rifle that's attached to a not moving part. The red dot is attached to the most moving part in the fucking gun, all right, which is a slide just slamming back and forth. So the likelihood of that dot coming loose or shaking loose. You guys, I've seen it. I can't even tell you how many. And people go, it's because they didn't blue lock tight it. No, they did. It's because they shot 5,000 fucking rounds through that thing. So you do have to check and make sure the screws are tight regularly. You got to make sure the lenses are clean regularly. You got to administratively change your batteries. You got to check your zeros, uh, you know, uh, periodically. You got to make sure it's zero to the right ammo. It can't just be anything. It can't just be range ammo and then you carry with your, you know, whatever 147 grain body slayers. Like you need to make sure it's zero to the ammo you're you're going to rely on in the most critical situation for that gun. It could be competition or whatever. So. It does take extra maintenance. My personal preference is to not have a red gun, excuse me, a red dot on my carry gun because I don't want the extra maintenance and I don't think there's any advantage at that three to seven yard distance. I've done all the timed exercises. I've done all the exercises in low light. I've done it all. I have done it all. I have tried to convince myself to put a red dot on my carry gun and instead I've come up short. I have not been wanting to put it on there. Now, all my other guns, yes. All my carry gun, no. Now, that may be different for you because there's a lot of advantages to putting an optic on your handgun, not the least of which is bad eyesight. You know, I mean, my, my father and, uh, and my mom were, they were kind of shying away from shooting pistols as they got older because, you know, my mom didn't really like shooting pistols anyway. My dad was like, I can't really see the sights anymore. I put a red dot on a freaking Glock 19 for them and it, was, <laughs> it changed their world. I mean, suddenly my dad's right back to shooting just as well as he always did. My mom, who's not really an avid shooter, she's just freaking, you know, sinking bullet after bullet in the same ragged hole. And it's like freaking awesome, right? Single point of reference, easier for their older eyes to see, even if their corrective lenses aren't on. For Drew, it's the same concept. You know, she's getting a, a optic put on her carry gun right now, actually, because... You know, with her, she wears corrective lenses sometimes. Without them, she's not blind, but she has a hard time seeing things. Yeah, especially probably Close two up. little iron mm -hmm. sights. So nice glowing dot that she can mm -hmm. roughly put onto another human-like shape is and probably so it's like, best. If I can give her an advantage in a gunfight, I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. And so if that means a red dot, great. I personally don't feel like it's an advantage to me, so I'm not going to do it. But if you feel like it's an advantage to you, you should do it. I will tell you some of the numbers that came back, like from Phoenix Police Department, I only use them as an example because they put so many people through the police academy. They saw, if I remember correctly, almost a 25% increase in first-time um, qualifications out of the academy, which includes the people who've never shot guns before. They saw an over 25% increase in that just from going from irons to red dots. And there's all these old fuddy-duddies who were like, that's ridiculous, you shouldn't have to have... You were the same we stupid motherfuckers <laughs> who said that when we stopped shooting irons and basing and put red dots on. We called on irons, you I should called, too. You know what, I called on irons too. And so did my father, only on an M14. And so did my grandfather, but probably on like a, I don't know, fucking whatever the fuck they were, a <laughs> grand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, so like, why? So, so to be as cool as my grandfather, I need to go qualify in a fucking grand? Yeah, to be at a disadvantage. To modern yeah, technology. Yeah, so I should put myself at a disadvantage so I can prove them as cool as my fuck. Like, fucking stupid. Like, the way people poo-poo that advancement is is ridiculous. And I was guilty, I'm sure, at some point in time, being like, well, in my day, we qualified on irons, and we kept a fucking hot potato in our pocket to keep mm. us warm in the morning. That was also <laughs> our lunch. I'm sure I said a lot of stupid shit like that at some point in time. But I'm telling you right now, 
That's not how I'm thinking. If, if I can put red dot equipped ARs in the hands of new shooters and they're going to shoot better, if I can put red dot equipped handguns in the hands of new shooters and they're going to shoot better, why the fuck would I not do that? Yeah. Do I think that shooting irons is a fundamental skill? Yes. Should everyone be able to do it? Yes. Should it be the first thing I teach? No. Yeah. Not if they, if they have a red dot available? Yeah. Use the red dot. Right. I mean, Drew, how many ladies who come through ladies' classes pick up the red dot and go, my God. Almost all of them look through it and they're like, this is awesome. And then they shoot with it and they always shoot better. Yeah, yeah. you can literally see their minds get blown. They once I shoot say, like, Once one of us says, like, just put the dot yeah. where, you, where want? you want the bullets to go. And they're like, that, that, that's it? Yep. Go ahead, pull the trigger. And they're like stacking rounds and they're like, I need to get one of these. And it's like, it makes yeah. a fucking difference, man. It makes does. a huge difference. Now, shifting a little bit away from that uh, and into reticles. Man, I could do a whole fucking show on reticles. I will say this generally about reticles. Pick a reticle, like Drew mentioned, that's not too busy for your eyeball Mm because that's important. But also pick a reticle, like I mentioned to start with, that fits your context. (laughs) You know, I'll see guys like, yeah, man, I got this badass reticle. Look at, I got the fucking Tremor 2 or I got the Horus H59 or whatever. It's like, that's cool, man. Do you know what that's fucking for? I know it sounds cool and you saw it on a TV show or some sniper dude said that's what he used to kill 800 fucking people or whatever. But like, what what is that thing used for? And are you going to use it for that? Like I have a client, brand new to precision shooting, calls me up and says, I'm going to buy, I want to come try rifles and reticles. I want to pick from your selection. I want to see what you use. Then I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to buy stuff. Then I want to train on my shit. Perfect. So we go out, we get everything set up. He shoots a bunch of different rifles, different optics, different calibers, whatever. And he's like, cool, here's what he decides on. He's like, I'm never going to hold. There's literally never a time in my life where I'm like, I want to hold. I want to be precise. I want to shoot for fun. I want to shoot, shoot precision. I don't give a shit about holding. So he got a really simple target dot style, mill dot style reticle with really easy to fucking use turrets. And he fucking rocks the shit at him. He does great. He doesn't need a Christmas tree. He's like, all that shit just distracts my eyeball. I don't need all that. I'm like, yeah, you don't. You're not going to fucking hold. Fuck it. So make sure that the reticle you're buying is going to fit your needs. I mean, there's, there's reticles out there that, you know, measure boat speed. Man, you know, man targets out to six to 800 meters. Like, is that what you're doing? If you need that, then get it in your reticle. If you don't need that, it's just more shit that, one, you're paying for, and, two, it's just going to clutter up your fucking field of view. So don't get shit in a reticle that you're not going to need. You know, yeah, well, this one can measure moving targets. Okay, do you shoot moving targets? Do you know how to shoot moving targets? Are you ever going to need to shoot moving targets? Do you ever want to shoot moving targets? If the answer is yes, then get the thing that measures moving targets. Yeah. But if the answer is no, then don't fucking do it. Some some of these optics are so cluttered, or not the optics, but the reticles Mm -hmm. are so filled up. I mean, there's just so much going on in them. And you're probably not even, unless you really are using it, you're probably not even going to use most of that stuff in that reticle. Like the EBR1 is very simple. Mm-hmm. You've got your your adjustment, uh, I'm sorry, you've got your milled out lines mm-hmm. at different increments, you know, I think it's like two, three, five, six, mm-hmm. and then you've got the same thing left and right, and that's it, and a crosshair. Super, super straightforward optic reticle. Not a lot going on there. Then on the other side of that, I mean, you've got like the giant Christmas trees with lines and numbers that you mm-hmm. can't even read and dots and stuff like that. And 
even for me personally, like I don't need all that stuff. And it really depends on your vision capability too, because like I'm very farsighted. So for me, if I get something and the details are so fine, so small, like 0.1 mils that are going up and down and up and down, every half is up and all the 0.2s are down and all the numbers are here. And I'm like, Dude, I get lost trying to measure it. I'm not saying everybody does. I'm saying I fucking do. Yeah. So I like something that's got like bold numbers, bold lines. I, I like point two measurements. That's fine with me. But like I want very I want a very specific reticle that my eye likes. So it's really important that before you decide on what reticle, take a look through it. I don't care what so-and-so uses. I don't give a fuck. Look through the reticle and make sure your eyeball can adjust to it and that you can read all those little things. Especially with freaking older eyes, man. We ain't getting any younger and our eyes ain't getting any better. So, you know, check that out. Magnification. If you are going to get any kind of magnification. Uh, oh, real quick. Back to the reticles. Dots. Remember, they also make triangles and chevrons. And even in a handgun optic, you can get a circle with a dot in the middle. Like the Holosuns are pretty cool where you can turn it on and off. You can have just a circle. You can have the circle with the dot in the middle. You can have just a dot. I think that's fucking cool. And on rifles, I mean, you can get center dot illuminated, mm -hmm. full reticle illumination, mm -hmm. maybe from your center dot to your 500 mark is illuminated and the rest is not. I mean, there's like so when you've got, whatever you want. When you've got really. dot options, consider the dot options as well. Magnification range. Uh, magnification range, low. Most of the time, low. A lot of people can, do I, do I need this 5 to 27? Probably not. Yeah, just so you can shoot on 12, like, all the time. Yeah, most of the time, even when I'm shooting out to 1,000, 1,200 plus, I'm on 10 power, 12 power. Yeah. You know, if I'm zeroing, I might turn up a little bit more. But, like, most of the time, you're going to be on low power magnification. I want a nice big field of view so I can see what the fuck's going on. I don't want to disrupt the quality of my image, especially with Mirage and other things like that. And I want to be able to self-correct. Right. Most of the time, I'm my own spotter. Whether I'm hunting or competing or whatever, I'm going to be my own spotter. If I'm shooting freaking rooftop Korean style, I'm going to be my own spotter more than likely. Right. And I need a nice big field of view so I can see what the fuck I'm hitting. Right. If I'm you know missing, if I'm hitting, and if the target down, if the recoil knocks me off target because I'm zoomed in so far, I may not be able to tell if I need a follow-up shot or be able to transition to another target very quickly if I'm under a time constraint of any kind. So lower power magnifications, again, context to where it's going to be. Most of the time, for most people, a 2 to 10, 3 to 15, 4 to 16, more than enough. Most of the time, when you start getting to those larger magnifications, you're also going to get to larger objectives, 50 millimeter objectives, things like that. Now you're talking about heavier optics, larger optics, potentially higher mounts so that you can clear the barrel, all that kind of stuff. So it may not be beneficial to go that higher magnification and get that larger objective because it may not fit my application. So most of the time, lower power magnification is going to be fine. I'm even testing out like a six power um, flip-up magnifier from Vortex. Mm -hmm. I've been testing it for about a year now or so. I like I want to be sold on it so badly, and I'm just, just not. Can't do it. I'm just not sold on it. The only thing I like is that it's longer, mm -hmm. and so it it sets farther back on the mount, so it's easier for me to flip up it without having to move my head position like I often right have to do with it. the other magnifiers. Yeah. That's really the thing that keeps me there. I wish they would just make that but in a three power. <laughs> but yeah, six powers like it's it's too much for most of what I need to do with the carbine. Yeah. Uh, first focal plane versus second focal plane. Again, any of these topics, guys, we could go all day on. So I'm just going to keep this simpler. Simple. If you like to shoot long distance, distance, not, not just precision, distance, First focal plane, because as I adjust my magnification, it's going to adjust the size of my reticle and my holdovers and holdoffs doesn't matter what power I'm on. If 
you're going to shoot close stuff. Second focal plane. Your average hunter, second focal plane. Your average police sniper, second focal plane. Their average shot's 52 yards or something like that. Like second focal plane is enough. I'm not using my holds. If you're not going to use a reticle, if you have a simple duplex reticle or something, you don't need first focal plane for that. Second focal plane is all you're going to need. If you're not going to use your reticle, if you're not going to be holding over, holding off, or you're not going to be doing much of that, second focal plane, because it'll keep your reticle the same exact size. First focal plane downside is it gets too small and might be an unusable reticle. Gets too big at high magnification, oh, gets too small at low magnification, too big at high magnification starts to block off the target. That's why you mostly use for PID and observation. Second focal plane reticle always stays the same. But if I'm going to use the reticle or measure or anything like that, I got to know what power magnification I'm on, if I'm on the highest power, the measuring power, or if I need to do some math. Right. So for most regular shooters, hunters, I'm using my gun for fun kind of people, second focal plane is fine. You want to start right, reaching out to distance, you're going to use your reticle a lot, and you don't want to have to be on a certain power range, first focal plane. So that's why, like most LPVOs, I'm perfectly fine with them being on second focal plane optic. I'm on one or I'm on six, to be honest. Yeah. One, I'm on four. I'm one, I'm on eight, or whatever. The one I've been running for a while now is a second focal plane, but it's a one to six. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I don't need that. Feature. Not using the reticle, really. Yeah. Yeah. Two or three, I know my hold. Yeah, I like. Send it. Or adjust with the turret. Yeah. Yeah. Mounts. Um, I'll throw out. American Defense Manufacturing here just because I fucking love that company. There's nothing about that company I don't love. I think they're just an amazing company. They make amazing mounts. They're cool fucking dudes. Um, I, I have so many of their mounts. I'm so happy with their products. Overall, buy quality mounts. There's a lot of brands out there quality mounts. The quality optic will be diminished in a low-quality mount. Buy a high-quality mount. Do you need cutie? A lot of people are like, I want cutie in case I need to, in case you need to what? Take it off real quick in a fucking gunfight? Be realistic with yourself. You're paying <laughs> extra money, you're adding extra weight, and you're adding another point of failure on a cutie mount. If you don't need it, don't fucking do it. I, Get a regular bolt-on mount. I have seen some very high-quality LaRue mm. throw lever mounts, which are very good mounts, mm. fail a lot. But they're, you know, top of the line, doing air quotes here. And I've seen those fail time and time again. Not saying they're not bad mounts. They, they are good quality, but I have seen quite a few of them fail. So my last point for optic selection here is, do I want secondary sights, offset sights, backup iron sights, whatever, whatever you want to say that. In a pistol, yes. The reason I want suppressor height sights, if needed, to clear my red dot, or you know, depending on the red dot you're using, it might be low enough, you can use your, your factory sights. The reason I want that is actually not in case the optic fails. It's to help me track onto target faster. When we're presenting with our pistols and red dots, we, we present using the iron sights, and when the dot comes into view, then we switch our eyes to that and use that to shoot, instead of trying to look through the window and find the dot. It's different than doing on a rifle. You don't have to co-witness what that's called. We don't co-witness through a rifle every time. We used to all the time because it was the only option we had. Nowadays, everything's flipped down or maybe not even there. Do we even need backup iron sights or secondary sights on rifles these days? I like them on pistols for the reason I said, specifically for presenting to the sights. But on rifles, I would say no. The quality of optics, we used to be worried about them failing all the time. Oh my God, what if my optic fails and then I don't have sights on my gun? Okay. That used to be a thing. Our shit used to break a lot. Brand new shit. Totally different world now. 
shit's so high quality. Yeah, not really a big issue. It's not a huge issue. So I would say, personally, I know this is going to upset some conventional military people here, but for most guns out there, especially recreational guns, you know, I would say no. Now, like in a competition gun, I don't mind a backup iron sight. I don't want to lose the game because I forgot to fucking swap batteries. Swap batteries, right? Yeah. In a oh my god, end of the world gun. I want secondary sights, mostly because I want a different zero point. Yeah, and and in that situation, we're playing a longevity game here. Like how long how many batteries can I Mm -hmm. realistically keep with me to Mm -hmm. keep swapping in my optic? How long is this Mm -hmm. thing just gonna last in general? EMP type shit. Yeah, exactly. Now in the same kind of vein. I think if you are going to put iron sights, backup irons on your carbine, just put backup iron sights on your carbine. Like the 45 degree mount ones. No, guess I fuck. see no also no. okay, first off, they look fucking stupid. They do. Sorry, you're not John Wick. They fucking don't. your your point of aim is different and most people don't know how to shoot with offset iron mm-hmm. sights, which things start changing when we start canting guns. Agreed. They look fucking stupid. They're not effective. And they get caught on things. They get caught on everything. Gear. Try getting out of a vehicle with those things. Some of them don't even go down either, too. So just, if you are going to put them on your gun, just put regular backup iron sights. Magpul, polymer, iron sights. Completely fine. Keep keep it simple. You know what I mean? Don't put 45-degree iron sights. I don't. I, I see no. I also ad- don't see the advantage. I, I see the I advantage see of offset anything. sights with other things. Like I've got a rifle with a dedicated thermal, and I have an offset red dot because I need a daytime option and a close quarters option. You know, that's like the only gun I own. Literally, it's the only rifle. It's the only rifle I own or shoot. Even my competition gun, hunting gun, none of, is the only gun I shoot that has a forty-five degree. But offset. is that a very contextually driven de- decision? Incredibly, yeah, exactly. Driven. See, because without if that thermal isn't needed. I just need a quick, fast, and in a hurry option. Right. And I and now, actually, I take that back. Recently, I just mounted a red dot on top of a LPVO for use on a night gun. I've been thinking about doing the same thing. It works really fucking well. Yeah. So I just, for on use of a night gun. Other than that, again, contextually driven. I yeah. do this for a very specific That's the reason. only reason why I was thinking about piggybacking a... God, see, this is the other thing, too. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, because of the Mark 11s mm. and Mark 12s that had piggyback optics, everyone was like, that's so fucking cool. It looks really cool. Understand that they were running not LPVOs at that time. Mm. They're running conventional rifle scopes. So, yeah, yeah they couldn't manage close engagements. Yeah, CTC with a, was almost impossible. Right, with a yeah. five times whatever at the base. Now that we have one to sixes, the only time I would really put a piggyback on is to shoot through knots. Yep. So it's like, again, contextually driven decisions and not just because like, well, if my LPVO goes down, I can shoot through this red dot. Meanwhile, we're drinking 200 milligrams of fucking caffeine or whatever. We're really concerned about the red dots we're putting on our guns, but we have no idea what we're putting on our bodies and we're leaving our fucking baby doors open and the babies are drowning. The government's sending billions of dollars overseas and children are still getting raped on an island somewhere. But by God, this is going to make or break my combat right here. Yeah. 100%. Also, you're 50 fucking pounds overweight. You're probably looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys have any questions about optics we didn't cover? Please shoot us a message, uh, info at trainingaz.com. We could go all day on this topic, but, you know, we only have so much time for you guys. I apologize, but that's the truth. 
Come to one of our classes. We got intro to precision rifle classes, field carbine classes that deal specifically with this in great depth. In Arizona, we'll come to you as well. You want to want to bring us out to train with you? Get hosting information at info at trainingaz.com. We'll tell you all about it. Fitness moment with Drew. So what I have for you guys today is uh, making sure that if you're going out and planning a race or something like that, to make sure that you're stretching weeks beforehand. I think I talked a little bit on stretching before, but in order to get really solid mobility, you want to stretch weeks or months before the activity that you're doing that you know is going to be really hard on your body. So that's what I have. All right. Fitness Moment with Drew brought to you by MRC or McKellar Running Club Phoenix. Monday night, 6.30 at Chupacabra Tap Room in Mesa. Wednesday nights, 6.30 at Dad's Fine Eatery in Scottsdale. Remember, follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Arms Room Show, Independence Training, and MRC Phoenix. We're proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Be sure to check out the awesome things that our network does. Next week... Actually, the last two weeks of the year, we have some fun shows. The last week of the year, which is Christmas on a Monday, uh, we're still going to do a show. It'll be pre-recorded, of course, but that's going to be the last show of the year is going to be a rowdy roundtable. So we're going to have a great time. There'll be a pre-recorded one, but we'll have a damn good time. Next week, we're going to be doing our end-of-year wrap-up on unfinished episodes. You want to find out what that means? You have to tune in next week. Find out. Till next time, stay where, stay safe, and train hard. You've been listening to The Arms Room. <laughs>